Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Influence with Michelle Martin on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. Well, today's influence is with Timothy Go because Michelle Martin is off for the day and for the rest of the week for that matter. We're talking about uh, diversity, cultural and racial diversity here in Singapore. Of course, we all know that uh, in a multiracial and culturally diverse country like Singapore, Harmony is very, very important. But how does our diversity impact effectiveness within, let's say, an organization or in communities and even in the neighborhoods where we live in? Does living in a more diverse neighborhood lead strangers to become more helpful or kinder to each other? Well, we're going to speak to a person behind the study. People in more racially diverse neighborhoods are more pro-social. Okay, so that's where we're going to start off our discussion. People in more racially diverse neighborhoods are more pro-social. Giant Narayanan, Associate Professor at NUS Business School, is joining us uh, this morning here on Influence. Good morning to you, Giant. Uh, so, are people in more diverse neighborhoods more pro-social? And when you say pro-social, what exactly does that entail? So pro-social is uh, the technical term for being helpful. So we in science try, like to use words that make it look <laughs> sciencey. Um, so uh, the, the, the way we went about uh, thinking about this, so there's been a lot of debate around uh, actual effects of diversity mm-hmm. at work in neighborhoods. And there are two two camps. You know, one camp thinks uh, that diversity is good. Uh, it creates tension and that tension leads to better ideas. And as a result, you get better outcomes. Mm-hmm. But there is also another camp which says diversity leads to friction. It leads to, you know, tensions and those tensions might derail groups. It turns out that uh, both of those could be true depending on how you manage diversity. So diversity is not something that automatically will give you good outcomes. Right. Every organization talks about diversity, but there is a challenge to managing that diversity. So when it comes to neighborhoods, so there is a debate whether diversity leads the minority in a society to hunker down, as Robert Putnam called it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of go into a shell and they don't show up because they feel intimidated by the majority. But it turns out that the data for that is not exactly, we don't exactly know whether that actually happens. There is some evidence, some anecdotal evidence, and there is some statistical evidence. So we went about wanting to study this scientifically. And what we find in our research is actually good in these days of doom and gloom, where every nation is trying to become more (laughs) kind of close its doors. But what we find in our study is that diversity actually expands people's minds as Mm -hmm. long as diversity doesn't lead to a contact. So what's important with diversity is you don't segregate. Like if you live in a neighborhood, but there is segregation, you may not get the benefits of diversity. But when there is contact with diversity, with people different from you, that leads to a larger sense of identity of who am I. I don't define myself as being belonging to a smaller group, but I think of myself as being a human being. And that expansion of identity leads you to become more helpful to others. But does it come down to an individual person or family background, though? Because I know for a fact that certain families keep to themselves as a family unit or sometimes in an extended family unit, and they don't have enough interaction with people outside of their own same circumstances or even race or income level or... It could be, you know, what we can't tell that from our research. So, and there is, of course, individual differences. So when we study these kinds of phenomena, statistically, you get at some trends. Mm -hmm. There is obviously a huge variance in terms of how people manage diversity. But my advice is that, you know, if we have to preserve what we've created here in Singapore, 
there has to be a sense of curiosity about other cultures, a sense of curiosity about people who are different from you mm-hmm. and create opportunities for contact. So, for example, one policy we have here in Singapore is the HDB, yeah. uh, you know, the diversity within, block, the, within right? the block. And that's a phenomenally enlightened policy. And I, you know, went back and traced the history of that policy. And it's fascinating that, you know, people thought about that. And that has created opportunities for contact. So mm-hmm. if you had ghettoization and segregation, there is suspicion. And then there is like, you know, fissures, there is conflict. But if you have contact, if you meet them in the, in the, in the elevator, meet them in the coffee shop downstairs, and you celebrate each other's festival, you become curious about each other's cultures, then you lead to that kind of contact. But going back to your question on whether there is individual differences, certainly there is. When you think about policy and interventions, you can't really cater to individual families. You have to look at the macro picture and right. see what levers do you have. And the lever really you have is to create contact between people of different diverse backgrounds. And then you get this larger identity. That's at least what we find in our data. Okay, talking about, you know, celebrating each other's cultures, maybe 10 years ago, it was all okay, right? And then all of a sudden... If you put on a sort of national costume or a cultural dress of another person's race, you get sometimes accused of cultural misappropriation. Mm. And I don't know how and when this started in the West, but it's kind of drifting towards this side of the world as well. That is a great question. I see you shaking your head now. That is a great question, Timothy. And I think it's something that we haven't quite understood yet from a research standpoint. We don't quite know why is this suspicion coming. Uh, But I think there is a kind of a general parochialism, you know, people kind of protect their own cultures more Mm -hmm. around the world. I'm not saying this about Singapore, but it's happening in different parts of the world. And that's a warning bell. You know, we have to create opportunities for contact, create opportunities and educate. So I was just reading a piece of news about like a five-year-old boy in the U.S. who's white and uh, his friend is uh, black Mm -hmm. and he wants to get a haircut just like his African-American friend. Right. And children don't know. They don't look at... They just think it's cool, They just think it's cool. They don't look at skin color. So we somewhere along the line, we learn these things. And I think, you know, it's also up to parents. It's also up to educators to instill a sense of oneness, a sense that we are a human race. It starts from home. It starts from home. Uh, I come from a country that's very diverse and, you know, we grew up with that diversity. 50% of the population of the bigger cities in Canada are visible minorities of all kinds. And I realized my sister, for example, in raising her kids, even though she's curious to know what her kid's best friend is or what the background is, she doesn't ask about race. Mm. She simply asks like, what, you know, does she have black hair? Does she have brown? Here, in things like That's that, right. not to yes. uh, give the, the, the child an impression that they are different because of their different racial background. A- absolutely. And it all comes down to respect and curiosity, you know. So this to me is a such a key variable to have a sense that if I see something that is different, I don't label it as weird, but I wonder. I wonder and I want to learn more. Sometimes we are curious. Actually, we are more curious and we want to learn more. But sometimes on the other side, they may get offended if we ask too much. That's a hard one. And that's true. There is a sense like, you know, for example, the New Zealand Prime Minister in mourning after the Christchurch events, she actually covered her hair and, Mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of people were very moved by that gesture. Other people said it was cultural appropriation. Now, So I think, you know, you should look at her intention. Her intention was to feel a sense of empathy, a sense of connection. And she was doing it for 
for the right reasons. In moments of grief, she was trying to connect. And I think if people feel offended, I think there is too much cynicism in the world today. And I think that cynicism is coming from a feeling of people being hurt, people feeling insecure. And, and I wonder where it all started, because yeah. if you go to a place like North America, for example, and you ask somebody who's clearly a visible minority, yeah. well, where are you from? They get upset. Yeah. It's like, I'm American. You know, it's yeah. like, but where are you really, really from? You know, these things, they get upset. I don't. I've yes. been asked that so, so many, many times. times. Yes. And for me, it's fine. You're trying to get a connection. Because yes. if I tell you where I'm from, maybe you've been there. Maybe you know somebody. Perhaps, you know, people are recognizing that the intentions may not always be genuine. It when could be, you know, question. they could have a prejudice or discrimination mm-hmm. against that with that question. But... Yeah. Is most likely harmless. It's most likely harmless. And I think I always tell people, you assume something is harmless until proven otherwise. Exactly. If you start on the right foot and believe that you can trust and you can connect, then you're going to get a different set of outcomes than if you start on the wrong foot and start with mistrust. So I don't have the data Mm -hmm. on why this is happening, Timothy. I think it's a question worth exploring. But I certainly don't want to leave a future for my next generation where people are starting off with mistrust and a feeling that if you are curious, then I feel that you're a proper my culture. I think that would be a sad world mm-hmm. and that would not be a, a harmonious society for the future. And I hope we continue to keep that sense of curiosity in Singapore, you know, in the context that we are in. You know, we are an island and we are small and we can create enough interventions to somehow, even if the global headwinds are in a different direction, we can create this little island where we can actually connect to each other and be curious about each other. So, but your question actually makes me think that that's my next paper. <laughs> I'm glad I've inspired you to do something. Very quickly now, in Singapore, the government and the country and the society is doing a great job in promoting diversity and harmony. What else do you think can be done? I think they're doing a lot. And I think one of the key things, I think I was recently reading this in the news, different people in government saying this, that you can't take this for granted. This has been created over the last 50 years. And there's a lot of work that's gone into creating what we have. I don't think it's ever, oh, the job is done. Let's now just rejoice and go home and, and, you know, have a drink. No, I think you have to continuously engage. You have to continuously create opportunities for contact. And there were some recent incidents that, you know, yes. we saw in the news mm-hmm. about race and these sorts of issues. I think we've got to be careful about ensuring that these are addressed. These are talked about. You know, we don't sweep things under the carpet when it comes to difficult problems. We talk about them Mm -hmm. and we have an enlightened conversation about them because these conversations are what create opportunities for the contact and for us to understand each other and create larger identities. And I think people need to take a step back first before getting offended because most of the time that is their first reaction. Absolutely. And, you know, I think people can get offended, but you can talk about being offended. And you can then... Take a step back, and breathe. Say, yeah, and yeah, I was offended, but let me have a conversation yeah. with you. I think this is what you did that offended me. And the other person can say, okay, I did this because. Mm. If you continue the dialogue, oftentimes you find that you can resolve conflicts. If you don't dialogue, you go hunker down and you go into a little hole and you start to moan. Then it and becomes then you get harder. angry. Then you get angry. Yeah. Hostile. Segregation is the problem. Yeah. Contact connections. And then you build harmony. There you go, guys. Contact and connection and understanding. I think that's what the message is. Jayan Narayan, an associate professor at NUS Business School here, talking about people in more racially diverse neighborhoods are more pro-social. You're listening to Influence here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.